Cells. Cells. Have you ever been in an institution? Cells. Cells. Do they keep you in a cell? Cells. Cells. When you're not performing your duties, do they keep you in a little box? Cells. Cells. Interlinked. Interlinked. What's it like to hold the hand of someone you love? Interlinked. Interlinked. Do they teach you how to feel finger to finger? Interlinked. You're listening to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host, Patrick Green, my friend. You're still on the you East doing? Coast, but you're no longer in my East house. Coast. In Worcester, Wormtown. You're in Worcester, Massachusetts. How are you feeling over there in Worcester? I'm feeling good. I had some good food tonight. Had a this is a cheat day for me, so I had a burger and fries, and I made some yeah. homemade cinnamon rolls. Oh shit, mm-hmm. it was good. I'm glad we're back here talking tonight. You know, uh, we just spent some time together in person, which was fantastic. It was so so much fun. It was so great, and uh, it always is. You know, it's a, always a joy to hang out with you. And we were, of course, together for Alien Day. Uh, so if you are a shoulder of Orion only listener and you're wondering why we've been so scatterbrained and why our releases have been a little late, um, it's because we had Alien Day is the biggest day of the year for Perfect Organism. And this year we had a film release on it, which um, if especially if you're a patron, you've seen a lot of that stuff. So um, it's not that we've been neglecting shoulder of Orion. It's just that we've been kind of in survival mode for the last month mm. or so with uh with perfect organism but we're here to kind of get things rolling tonight on shoulder of orion again kind of talk about what we got coming up talk about some rumors about 2099 talk about some ways you can get involved and uh just have kind of an informal get the wheels turning episode to kind of get back on track and start talking blade runner again yeah and i'm here for it it's um there's some things happening of course in the stratosphere in terms of the show blade runner 2099 um some rumors some news that we're going to cover um we'll also talk a little bit about what we have planned for shoulder of orion in the upcoming months have a lot more anatomy of the scenes we'd love to also love to hear from you guys about what you would like us to cover we have like the comics that we need to cover um maybe get some people on the show for an interview so we have a, a lot of content a lot of ideas for content for the next six months at least we do. And we also have some patrons who have gone long unheralded. So, because uh, it's been a while since we've recorded. So, I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to read all of our patrons going back about uh, a month or so tonight. Going back to 1912. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> if you are a patron and I have not given you a shout out on the show yet, please write me as angry an email as you would like to just to remind me to, to give you a shout out. And you can also, uh, in the case of Nick Bruff, who's a friend of ours and a listener, um, tell me that I'm saying your name wrong because I guarantee I'm saying it wrong for more than just one person. I'm not that great with names, so please do you know write in with that. But anyway, without further ado, going back, let's go back to the beginning of March and uh, give some shout-outs here. So, welcome to Patreon, Ian Hughes, Nick Bruff, Jacob Abraham, Nir Drusa, Francisco Martinez, Frederick Faith, Ross Yost, Elliot Raka, Ian Dunn, Zeno Queen, Tom Prentice, Brian McKnight, Nick Cannon, Gavin Hay, Joshua Rivers, Mark Mattis, Loki Jackal, Artura Savekas, Josh Bowden, Clayton Pulley, Eustacio Palomares, and Will Howe. And Eustacio uh, is a listener of ours who wrote in and said that he has been learning English using our show as uh, inspiration. And I have to say, that's a huge honor, Eustacio, because my Spanish could clearly use some work. But also, 
I, I'm, I'm sorry that you're going to have a lot of weird words in your English vocabulary because uh, you have to listen to me <laughs> say things like verisimilitude all the time. But thank you so much to the patrons who helped us to make that film, helped us to do a lot in the last year and a lot of cool stuff coming up that we're going to talk somewhat about tonight. Indeed we are. And just uh, a moment on the film. Um, we're really proud of it. The reception we've received has just been humbling and amazing. I mean, you, you don't know how people are going to receive something. You work really hard on it and you release it into the world. You think, okay, it is what it is. But to see this many people love it and adore it, you're talking 98%, 99% of everyone who comments, loves and adores this thing, makes me proud, makes us proud as, as creators. This was really, really, really a group effort not one person is responsible for this film we're all responsible for it it wouldn't be the way it is without patrick's music and patrick's involvement in terms of your directing it wouldn't be the way it is without maj without perry without christian andy micah everyone involved jude henry <laughs> yeah, Matilda, <seriously>. Luna, <laughs> the dogs, and of course Xander with the miniatures. Which I have to yeah, say, oh, I'm so, so sorry. Yes, for, for anybody, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. of course Xander goes without saying. Uh, uh, Blade Runner fans are, you know, notoriously big fans of practical effects, especially miniatures, and we know that not only because of the incredible work from the first film, but also because of all of the Weta things from 2049 and how Denny Villeneuve put so much work into commissioning them to do real recreated scale sets of things, and that's why we have such incredible effects in that movie. Uh, Xander House, who is a friend of ours who also does a lot of social media for this very show, as well as for uh, Perfect Organism, built from the ground up a kit-bashed new ship design for this short film. And Maj and he and Jamie worked together to get this thing looking so incredibly great. And the scale set, and it just really, it like, if even if you're not an Alien fan, although you probably are if you like Blade Runner, you just watch the short film. You can go to our website. We have, you can go to perfectorganism.com slash transmission. You can go to the Perfect Organism YouTube channel to see it directly there, um, or just go to our social media. You have to see what they've done with this miniature because it looks amazing. And and it is, goes without saying that Jamie was actually a very big part of that as well. So definitely check that out. Yes. So on with the news um, or news and just kind of what's going on with us. We, of course, as everyone knows, we released several anatomy of the scenes. We're excited to get uh, into more of those. We have a lot of ideas. We're going to have a guest on the show pushing back on us with some of those anatomy of the scenes. His name is Ricardo Silvestri. He's uh, from Portugal. Really wonderful guy. He's been on the show. He was on the show a few years back. Big, huge Blade Runner fan, big fan of 2049, but he asked to come on the show and give Patrick and I run for our money. And we are like, hey, absolutely. So that's coming up. Um, and we love difference of opinions. Like Patrick and I agree a lot, but we also disagree a lot too, especially when it comes to 2049. There's We both love the film equally, but we love it for some different reasons. 
He fucking hates Rachel, Rachel 2.0. 2.0. She looks like a walrus, Jamie. She doesn't even look like a human. Oh, poor Rachel. She's dead now, though. Rest um, in peace. I'm excited about that. We're also going to dive into, again, women, um, how women are portrayed in the Blade Runner universe. And that's going to be a deeper, more serious dive. We stepped back from that after we got some some really constructive feedback about things just being a little bit too heavy. So we are excited to get back into what makes this show the show. Um, but Patrick, what's the news? Well, uh, here in the in the Blade Runner newsroom of Shoulder of Orion, we don't actually have very much to report on that is factual, but we have a lot of things to report on that are rumored, and some of them are more likely than others to be true. And so just a reminder, as we're talking about this stuff tonight, we live in an era where fake news spreads very quickly, where there's a lot of clickbait headlines that just get made up for no reason. If you ever see anything shared by a website called Giant Freaking Robot, that is clickbait garbage and just disregard it they did a big rumor push on this you know television series 2099 that who knows if it's true or not but given their track record i like to think it's probably not and of course it got everybody arguing and sharing and got a lot of traffic so we're not going to talk about that particular rumor um but we are going to talk about another rumor that comes from daniel rpk who is uh, an industry insider who has planted some seeds uh, of news that turn out to be true in other projects and so he seems to have a pretty good track record so daniel rpk tells us that francis mcdormand might be joining the cast playing a character named owen um and it, according to daniel uh she would be playing this alongside jody comer playing a character named cora we have also heard rumors that Jodie Comer is no longer attached to this project, and that's actually been corroborated in a couple of different sources, so that seems pretty legitimate. We don't know if she ever actually was or not, but that was a pretty popular rumor for a while. Uh, so well, one other thing I'll say quickly, and then I'll turn it over to you, is it seems like a sure bet that the filming of the series has been pushed back it was supposed to be in july of 2023 which as we record this is just a couple months away but it has been pushed back to october as of now and the filming will still take place in belfast ireland but uh for now it's going to be taking place a little bit later it has though also been fast-tracked by amazon according to industry people so even though it's filming later it's it stands to reason that it could still come out pretty quickly after that something like maybe late the following year but we really don't know much more than that yeah we don't know, know much more than that i'm really excited about the show i think if the rumor of francis dormer's involvement is true it just really lends a lot of credibility to how good the show is going to be uh again and i know we've talked about this i've spoken about this specifically in terms of uh the expectation of this show it needs to be House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones level good. It needs to be one of the best thing Amazon have ever, have ever created, quite honestly. Not just for the sake of Amazon, but for the sake of the IP itself. You have Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. And I mean, you can't get higher than those bars. You just can't. Um, so if they're pushing the show, I mean, I still think it's probably going to come out next year. Because um, usually it's a two-year window. The first year is pre-production. Building sets, casting, all of that. The second year is shooting and release. 
The shooting is usually only for a 10-hour show, six months, not even six months, probably a little bit less than that. I know I'm not an expert in anything. I have friends who work in the business. I know a little bit about how it runs, as I know you do as well, Patrick, but I still think we'll probably get a 2024 turnaround. Um, I'm really excited. Um, I know that there have been a couple of names released, uh, character names, and what were those names, Patrick? Yeah, and again, this is all unofficial. And also, before I say this, I want to correct myself. Belfast is the capital of Northern Ireland, not not Ireland. So just in case we have Irish listeners who are uh, going to write in about that, Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, so uh, we supposedly the two characters that we have names for are Cora and Owen. And Owen is the one that's rumored to be played by Francis McDormand. Cora was the one that was rumored to be played by Jodie Comer. Again, mm. we don't know who these characters are. We don't know what they're what they're doing, but these are according to people in the industry, two characters who might show up. And I'm all ready for a, a more of a, a female-centric Blade Runner. It's time. It's really time. I mean, where the women in this fil- in this show aren't just portrayed as uh, pleasure models or background characters. Up until this point, every woman in this series, in these films, have been background characters or not even really supporting roles. I don't even know. I don't even know if you could call Rachel a supporting role. Maybe Anna de Armas Joyce could be a supporting role. I'm not really sure. But we're ready. We are ready to have women take a hold of this show and lead it. And I again I love Frances McDormand. The last thing I saw her in actually I saw her in Women Talking. If you I don't know if you've seen that. No, that I haven't yet, but watch. I, yeah, you've been that telling us. Must yeah. watch. It is rough watch that. um in terms of the dialogue. But it's amazing. But also, I saw her in Nomadland. Did you ever see that? No. I would really recommend that too. I, I watched that. I watched Nomadland. I think um, fall of 2021. Everyone was still in lockdown. It was the most depressed I'd ever been in my life. Uh, just I, I was already going through a hard time. But then I watched that movie, and it was just a downer. But it was a fantastic movie. She's an amazing actor, and she has the gravitas that, in my opinion. Harrison Ford has. She has this weight about her that when she works on a project, you take it more seriously. So if she is involved, and I really hope she is, I am even more on board. I love Jodie Comer too. I think she's great. But I feel like Frances McDormand gives will give this series a deeper soul. Not that Jodie Comer wouldn't, but it just she's an old, she, you know, she's not an old woman, but she's over 50. There's just something deeper about her that I'm really excited about. I don't know what, we don't know what the story is at all. Um, they've given no synopsis of the story, but I'm, I'm all for it. What about you? Yeah. I would love to see Frances McDormand in this because everything I've ever seen her in, I have been blown away. And also her track record of like the roles that she picks, mm. you know, she was an early Fargo at Fargo an early Coen brothers, uh, star and especially Fargo, which is you mm. know an incredible movie. One of my favorites. And then you know, all the way to three billboards, right. Which was an Oscar winning film that she yes. did. The McDonald movie. Well, yeah. So like she she really she does a wonderful job of choosing really good projects. So if she is attached to this, I mean Frances McDormand wouldn't take a shit role. Like I I can't think of anything I've seen her in that was in like that was a throwaway movie. So that's great. Like if they got her, if they can get her. And I totally agree with you about the sort of the Harrison Ford comparison and that they both just they are just wonderful performers to watch who bring a lot to the roles that they have. I definitely put Jodie Comer in that category as well, just in a totally different age bracket. For one thing. Significant. Okay. She kind of seems older because she has a gravitas to her, but I think she's she's really young. Uh, also has just worked with incredible people, including, of course, Ridley Scott. So, you know, 
who knows what's going to happen uh, in that regard. And uh, who knows if these character names are real, who knows anything, but I think it could be, it could be really good. I also though hope that it doesn't get rushed. And I hope that by pushing this back to October, they're not, they're not going to try to stick to a like production deadline that they'd already had for themselves mm. where they want to finish principal photography by January or something. You know, I, I just, I just hope that they don't. I also have to say in terms of Amazon series, there are very few the boys being the best exception to this possible because that's one of my Agreed. favorite television shows in history. I fucking adore the boys. It's amazing. There are very few Amazon series that I stuck with to the end. There's a lot of mm. ones that had a lot of promise and like clearly high production values and they were like had a lot of talent. But for whatever reason, you know, like there, there's like nothing I've ever watched on HBO that I didn't finish all the way through at least mm-hmm. twice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that's that's the type of thing that I hope this comes out to be so what i'm hoping what i'm saying by this is i hope that they give this this what they gave the boys right which is like tons of artistic freedom to be very risque obviously in a different way the tone is completely different between Mm -hmm. this i would hope and the boys but the boys tone works because they're given a huge amount of latitude the creative team to take really big storytelling risks and to try really avant-garde stuff out and um and that's why even though the boys is such a like you know grotesque like ridiculous sexualized irreverent crazy show there's like so much intelligence behind it and so Mm. much heart and it's just like a beautiful story but it's so ridiculous right and that's really hard to pull off so amazon is capable of doing that you know they're capable of giving the right creative uh latitude to the right creative people and you know i think silka louisa has proven herself to be an interesting new voice fucking hate silka louisa <laughs> I, I don't like shining girls as much as you do but i respect it I, I think shining girls is one of those shows where i'm probably just not quite like getting the emotional wavelength that it's on for some reason it's not really working for me um we should do a frame rate on that though i think you we know, should we you need to fucking finish it, it. <laughs> I do. I just don't want to because it takes too long. I know. But um, but that being said, that when I'm watching it, I'm not like, oh, this is trash, right? I'm, it's, I'm just like, oh, I don't really. I'm. I'm it's not really. It doesn't feel for me. But it it doesn't feel like it's mm-hmm. trash. <laughs> no, it does. It doesn't. It feels like it's like quality made thing. It does. It does. So and I think it, should, a, yeah. it should be good. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? Here's I'm gonna talk a little bit about some concerns that I have. Not so much about the people behind the show, but about the delivery of the show as much as i love 2049 i've been really really disappointed in how alcon uh delivered that physical release and i know uh, we've been talking to alcon and they said that there's no uh physical release has really fallen off the the map because of digital release blah 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 and i understand that but this is not just your average blade runner is not just your average release this is this is top tier high profile elevated sci-fi it deserves a release. This Amazon show deserves a documentary behind the scenes. It, it deserves more than just, if you go on Amazon, you can watch it and you can do something called X-Ray and it'll give you behind the scenes as you're watching Yo, it. I fucking love X-Ray. I can't Amazon. stand it. I, oh, you, stand I it. love that shit. What no, are you talking it's about? Not that, I, I just, I want to watch a documentary. I don't want to watch the show again. Like for instance, Rings of Power, which I enjoyed. Not enough to it again um <laughs> and i don't want to watch it again with x-ray blade runner deserves a documentary standalone like netflix does like when they released the dark crystal age of resistance they produced an hour and a half long making of and it and was then great they cancel to, it 
Yeah, yeah, and then they cancel it. Um, but twenty ninety nine is, is a um a limited series, so it's a it's a self contained thing, which I love. I'm excited about. Um, but I th- this show really needs top tier delivery. And again, to go back to twenty forty nine, they just half asked that poster. They half asked everything. Uh, except for the actual film, because they had competent people behind the film. I'm really, really um, disappointed in how Alcon uh, chose to deliver the the 4K of 2049. It deserved better than that. They, they went all out um, for the final cut and re-releasing that and that, you know, Dangerous Days documentary and all of those things. Um, and then when it came to 2049, they just like, here. Here's a bare minimum, whatever. They did the same with the soundtrack release. They didn't do anything different. Whereas when Vangelis, Vangelis released the soundtrack, um, it was prestigious. It was, it was, it was, um, it reflected the name of Blade Runner. And again, I'm just really, really disappointed in how Alcon treated the delivery of 2049. It deserved better. It deserves better. It deserves a better release. And 2099 deserves a good release. I don't know if they're going to release it physically. I doubt it. I feel like they won't. So if they're not going to do that, release some posters, get some really good artists to do posters. Don't half-ass this. Don't half-ass, don't do a teal and orange poster with action poses. Like really give this the, the, the love that it deserves. If you're doing that with the, um, if you're doing that with the, the people behind the show do that with the marketing department as well. Like I, I, it, it really reflects on it too. Like I, I, again, as much as I love 2049, every time I go and look at that 4k that I own, I get angry that there's no documentary. There's no really extensive behind the scenes. And I'm not trying to be overly negative. This is just what my expectation is because we've had Blade Runner because we've had this prestigious legacy of this IP that nothing else can touch treat it that way. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me. And this is something we haven't really gotten into very much, but that that latest message we got from Alcon about this kind of confirms for me that like they they really truly have abandoned the physical medium for this thing. And I think what's frustrating is that um you know, they don't have to be the ones that produce it, right? They just license the production of it. So if you go for example in the video game world, right? You have a game come out that is then accompanied by multiple tiers of, you know, you could pay for, you know, like the deluxe edition, the day one edition, the collector's edition, and then usually there are also aftermarket people with official licenses like limited run games for example, who will produce something that's $300 that comes with statues and it comes with like so the Physical media is not dead. That that's it's that's not dead clear. at all. Anything's making a resurgence. Yes, and if there's one IP that has a bunch of obsessive collectors waiting to throw money at it, it's Blade Runner, right? Look mm. at how many reissues of Blade Runner there have been. Look at the beautiful mm. one that just came out at the end of last year that you got mm-hmm. me a copy of. That is marquee museum level. It's just so beautiful, and like we bought that, like that's that's sold out as we know because yours got lost in the mail and there was there were no more of them to go right. Um, that's the thing. Like, there's a market for this. So produce it in a small run. 2049, I, that poster was so bad that oh I remember gosh. I remember yes. where I was when I saw it. 
that's how bad is i like clocked it as like a small tragic event <laughs> i was in montreal and i remember like micah and i were in bed and like i got the notification that came up we were out of vacation with the kids and i was like this is the fucking this is the official poster that they're putting out with the teal and orange with these like incredibly generic poses and a great example of what they could have done is the fact that for you know the five and a half years since this came out you and i have been posting alternative posters for 2049 like many times a week every week and never come close to running out of great artwork to share. Mm. And mm. it's because like that, it, that's the kind of passion that people have for it. So they should put this out physically. I'm sure that they won't, but like they, but they should. And if they're not going to put it out physically, at least give it like full spectrum attention on mm -hmm. prime. Right. Mm -hmm. When the rings of power came out, which I had zero interest in, I still was confronted by advertising for that thing every 12 seconds of the day, mm -hmm. you know, even buying something from Amazon, the fucking box was a rings of power. Like it was just, they clearly were just pushing it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, similar to what they're doing with C Citadel, right. Which is another thing that's like a stinker that's kind of dead on arrival, but they put $300 million into it. And they're like, well, we have to make money on it. And we have the biggest advertising base of like any company in the history of the world. So let's just like shove it down everybody's throat. Like, I'm not saying I need that for this show, but I would like to have it treated with a modicum of prestige and importance, right? And respect. In respect. So that when I log into Prime Video, which is still sounds stupid to say that out loud, but when I log into it, I see Blade Runner 2099 right there across the top with behind the scenes features and with a documentary behind the production of it where it's been treated as a marquee level thing. And it should be accompanied by non-generic artwork. It yes. should be, you know, it should be something that's that's treated well. And what's crazy with 2049 also is the fucking soundtrack has the same teal and orange poster on the cover. Oh of my it. God. It's yeah, just, they didn't it's even just give gross. A shit. Like, I don't even want to yeah. look at it, you know? Yeah, me too. I didn't even want to look at it. And, the, um, and, and also yeah. the soundtrack, the soundtrack, as as we've talked about many times before, like the way that it's edited for the album is it really does a disservice to it because it has like all these extra extraneous things on it. And then it has just a lot of these kind of droning kind of like monotonous portions. It's just like it's sort of like they put the bare minimum of effort into just kind of putting together the sounds that you hear in the movie for you to listen to, as opposed to engineering it the way that we eventually got, especially with Vangelis in later years, where we got the full suite of music. We had dialogue and we had yes. beautiful stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And you know, I, I, and I have to double down a little bit on Alcon. I know that we have a ties with them, but I, I, this is something I really truly believe in. If you go into fan groups Blade Runner fan groups on Facebook, on social media, there is such a market. People are looking to buy a, a, a kit of the blimp. Like there are, there are hardcore fans out there. There is a market for this. And with the lead up to um, Blade Runner Black Lotus, which I think that they were, I think they thought was going to do better than it was. If it was actually a good product, it would have done better than it, than it did do. But we had been told that there was going to be figures and there was they're going to reach out to the fans more, and there was going to be this, and there was going to be that, and the game. None of that materialized. None of that materialized. I, I don't think Alcon is at all clued in to the fan base, and it's it's not a thing where you have to cater to the fan base all the time. It's not. It's it's not about oh, do what the fans want. It's it's about knowing your market. It's about knowing that. Um, and meeting that market where it's at, where you have Mondo, although Mondo is essentially extinct now because. It's been closed for the most part. I mean, they're still relatively open, but not in the way that they were before. But hire some hire some really creative people to do some posters for you. Do a, a re-release of the score, even if it's a digital re-release with new art, with really cool new art. When 
you know, again, you you brought up Van Gallus and the way that they released the score for twenty uh, for the twenty nineteen essentially. Um, how beautiful it was, how how lyrical and perfect it was, and that they really put time and effort in to release something amazing. Now, granted, this was a different time. This was the nineties. Physical physical media was the thing. It is not as much the thing as it used to be, but it is making a resurgence. People are going back to CD stores. People are more interested in physical media. Digital media is getting tired for a lot of people. A lot of people just want to own, you know, they want to own a physical copy of something. And I'm similar to that. Um, They just really need to step it up and get to know their fan base. And that takes effort. That takes time. And I know it takes money, but but I'm hoping because Amazon is involved in 2099 that they'll see, that they'll know. Amazon's definitely more cued in or clued in with their fans than Alcon is. Alcon's a production house, and I feel like the fans and um, product is kind of like afterthought with them. I know they have a whole department devoted to it, but I feel like all they do is talk about it. They don't really ever implement it, or they talk about implementing it, but they never do. Take advantage of it. This is the time. Um, have some amazing artist watch a few episodes and come up with a poster that really speaks to the story. Get the, I mean, I, I also really hope that they're spending money on a, on a, a composer for this series to um, make Vangelis and Ben Walfish proud uh, because they Vangelis certainly, but also Ben Walfish, they turned in some of their best work of their career for these, for these things. And w- I expect that. Um, and I, I think it's hard to, if you want a marquee level IP, then you need to treat it like a marquee level IP. Black Lotus was not treated like a marquee level IP. Um, although in some ways I feel like some of the promotion of it was better than the promotion for 2049 in terms of its look, it was beautiful. There's some really beautiful images. Um, and 2049 didn't even get some of that, but then, you had, you know, the animes and all, you know, the short films, which I thought were really, really great. They spent all this time on those short films, but then when it finally came to promotion and like posters and the things that really catch people's eye, they went for the safest, most boring shit possible. They cannot do this, do that this time around. We're going to see what happens. Um, <laughs> uh, but kind of steering away from negativity for a second, uh, we, we want to kind of close this out by asking for your thoughts and your suggestions as we go into this next kind of recording phase as jamie was mentioning in the beginning you know we have some anatomy of the scenes we have some kind of real world parallel uh topics to talk about including women in blade runner and that's something that has been suggested to us many 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 times through the years and we kind of put it off because it is a difficult conversation and it's one of those ones where you kind of have to give it the 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 breadth to do correctly but we feel like we're in a place where we are ready to do that um, but we do want you to please, you know, write us at bladerunnerpodcast at gmail.com and give us ideas for, for stuff to talk about because we are now facing a, this real situation where this show is not coming out for a while, but but apparently even for you know more of a while than we thought. So, you know, we don't want it's not like we're gonna run out of things to talk about. We want to make sure that we're not just kind of in a holding pattern waiting for this to happen. So please we're releasing do con- filler, filler episodes. Yeah, yeah, because that's not what Shoulder of Orion is. This is this is as close to a filler episode as we get. And this is just because of the circumstances that we're in right now with traveling and everything. But you know, we don't like to do lowbrow quick episodes. So give us some give us some meat to talk about and uh and you know, please don't be shy. Indeed. Thank you, everybody. Well, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, we'll be back again with a feature length or 
re- regular episode <laughs> length. Feature length. <laughs> I'm so used to saying feature length. because inter- Intermission in the middle. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to be back with regular episodes, deep dives, um, sobering conversation. I can't wait. That's my bread and butter. Um, Blade Runner is my life, probably more than Alien is my life. We haven't even talked about that. Wow. Like as, much as, as much as I'm an Alien fan, if you go to my house, all you'll see is Blade Runner. That's how big of an impact um, these these films have been in my life. Um, but there's also other ideas I have about like talking about movies like Her um, and the parallel to Blade Runner. And we haven't discussed things like that in a while. Wow. So there's lots to talk about still. So Definitely. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Bye. If you would like to find out more about Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com. If you would like to support the show via Patreon, please go to www.bladerunnerpodcast.com forward slash support. Thank you.